Jim Freed. Hey, everybody. I really appreciate you uh, allowing me to move around today until I can get the uh, video right. I think we finally got it right. I want to thank my good friend Anthony Burns with his Perrier Blues over there for joining us today. Anthony is one of the placemakers in town. He's created the Magic City Innovation District just north of downtown. We'll talk about that and other neighborhoods that he finds interesting. Welcome to the show, Anthony Burns. Thank you, Jim. It is always my pleasure to spend a, a few minutes with you. Oh, you're the best. Where are hey, you? Hi. I'm stuck here in, in, in the office and you're out living the life on the, on the on the pool deck, it looks like. Well, that's what I do, man. That's what I do. Coconut Grove, 2675 Bayshore Drive across from Monty's. That's right. We got a security guard, so don't come looking for me. Uh, but, um, you know, we're getting into the new place. The folks I've got, I'm actually going to put the people on that are fitting out my apartment. They're tremendous. They do it for all the people on Miami Beach. We got referred to them by some of the top realtors in town. They've been here for two days. We're buying all kinds of new appliances. Vivian Freed is getting what she wants, as she should. Yes, that's right. As she should. But uh, how are you? How was your vacation? You're back. Tell me, you know, tell me what's going on. What's new at Magic City? Well, yeah, we're, we're back. We're back in the saddle. Um, we have a lot of exciting uh, developments here at Magic City. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're an 18-acre innovation district development uh, just north of the design district. Uh, we're entitled for 8 million square feet, which includes uh, a, a whole bunch of apartment units, about 2,600 apartment units, uh, 2 million square feet of office with hotel, retail, et cetera. So we're really excited to be creating the, you know, the newest neighborhood in Miami. Um, our goals over the next couple of years is to, to really start some of that vertical construction. We, we've spent a, a lot of the, of our time and energy uh, really placemaking, activating a lot of the old warehouses that were here. Um, if, if, if your listeners have not been to Little Haiti in the last uh, couple of years, I think they would be amazed at the transformation um, that is occurring in this neighborhood. Uh, it's, a, it's a great, great place to be uh, in Miami. What are the drivers for growth up there in the Miami Innovation District? And that's a loaded question because I go from Biscayne past Adiamo and in the back door. I know exactly how you guys tie in with everything. But for people that aren't familiar with the neighborhood, uh, let's talk a little bit about how it does tie in. And, and by the way, congratulations on working out a positive relationship with your neighbors as well. Yeah, you know, they're like any large scale project in Miami, there, there is a process that needs to go through. We spent uh, the better part of three years going through that process with the, uh, the commission and the, the various stakeholders in the community. And we've come up with what we believe is one of the most transformational uh, development and, and community give back programs the city has ever uh, seen. Um, as part of our development, we're going to be uh, donating and contributing over $35 million dollars. Uh, into uh, what's called the Little Haiti Revitalization Trust. Uh, this is a, uh, an, a, a board uh, run by the city, but endowed by us that will allow those development dollars to have a direct impact on the, the, the community of Little Haiti, whether that is in the form of education for its, uh, its, its uh, residents or low-income housing, the workforce housing, job training, et cetera. So we're really trying to create a development here that rises the tide and therefore rises uh, all, all the boats. Well, high five to you, Neil and George and the rest of your team for really, really working with the city to get something good for the neighborhood done. I know that 
you've gotten some great acceptance uh, while other people have re met resistance because of your desire to work with the neighborhood. Now, tell me about uh, the first uh, things that you've done at, at the uh, Innovation District. You started out uh, by activating the site. Um, what's your first uh, next new development going to be over there? Right. Well, we have two two developments that are, are currently in the planning stages that we anticipate both breaking ground uh, in early to mid 2022. The first is a, a uh, 350 unit, uh, 25 story high rise apartment building that will be located right in the core of the innovation district. And across the street, uh, a, uh, a partner of ours will be starting the construction of approximately a 300,000 square foot office tower. And so we believe that with the, the, the uh, commencement of those two projects, those will really be the anchors uh, for the next phase of the development. And that is bringing world-class innovation and technological talent to, uh, to this part of Miami. Now, now uh, you have a technology partner on this transaction. Tell us a little bit about who that is. Well, we have a we have a, a, a couple different partners. Um, they uh, have backgrounds uh, in Silicon Valley and technology, technology and uh, an innovation space. Um, they have uh, they're going to be bringing a lot of those relationships and the uh, uh, call it the wherewithal uh, that will continue. I think to allow Miami and in particular Magic City to uh, garner more of the innovation dollars and energy in the country. Now, what attracted you to this specific location within the city of Miami? Because I know you guys could take time. You took time. You evaluated a bunch of different places and you put your chips down here. Why? Well, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we're real estate, uh, our real estate folks, our, uh, our partners, um, you know, are, span a wide gambit of experience, but we're, we're the operational real estate folks um, that have a long track here in Miami of development. And this area is, it's traditionally been an underutilized and really skipped over neighborhood for a long period of time, but it has great infrastructure. We're located just off of a the 62nd Street uh, Expressway exit, close to Biscayne, and we're 17 feet above sea level. We're on one of the highest points in, in uh, Miami, and so this our belief is that as we face uh, you know challenges, whether it's sea level rise or storm surge or what have you, um, the density in this city needs to needs to go where there is the most resilient. And so as part of that forward-looking strategy, this seemed like a no-brainer for us that, you know, the future-proofing this development by, the, by its mere location. Now, are you making any design uh, modifications so that you'll be prepared for the evolution of climate down here in South Florida? Well, of course, that, that will be an integral part of the eventual design of our, our large promenade, um, which will be one of the, you know, the, the backbone, really one of the, uh, um, the defining features of our, of our development, along with all of the vertical buildings that are eventually developed. But as I said, you know, smart development starts with location, right? It, it, to, it, there, there's, nothing, there's nothing you can do when you start at an elevation of six inches versus when we start an elevation of 17 feet. That yeah, my, favorite, my, favorite, my favorite is the guy who's building on the water. And when I ask what his strategy is, he says he's adding an extra floor of parking. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Too bad for those cars. 
well, you know, you know, what can you do? They got to go find a place to park, get some. Well, I don't want to tell people where I park during the hurricane. Anyway, um, thank you so much, Anthony, for, for going through that. I, I do want to talk about what you see in other markets and and what advice you could give to people that are looking to do urban redevelopment. I hope you'll be able to stay with us and do a, at least one or two more segments. Sure. Okay, great. Uh, this is where we go, Mr. Mendoza, Regan. I do that because I always pronounce his name wrong. It's Regan. It's, I would say great. Um, Regan, why don't you take us out real early? Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about other submarkets that Anthony may have his eye on and lessons he learned doing urban development that he could share with other people. Back after this. everybody this is south florida's longest running business talk show we've been on since 2008 our sponsors since 2013 have been warren henry i want to thank larry's in warren's in um eric day and samantha wolf for all of their support we really enjoyed our time out there yesterday i want to remind everybody that they collect clothes out there for alonzo morning to give to the kids and people here that are doing interviews i'm going to keep mentioning that and i'm going to have another meet up there people hopefully bring me their suits and other stuff that people can use to help make their lives better as well and remember when you're looking to buy or lease a car you want to get every advantage that you can that's why you have to check out Warren Henry, Land Rover, Range Rover, Infinity and Jaguar up at their new store at 151st in Biscayne Place, gorgeous. Oh yeah, up in Gainesville, they sell Audis. Down in the Keys, they've got all the great name plates. What do they have in common? Well, they're all great cars and they all come with Warren Henry Advantage. That means you get complimentary dent repair. Key repair, oh my God, I'm reading the wrong thing. Look, you get all kinds of great, uh, great advantages when you buy with them. Yeah, I, I, I love my stuff at home, Anthony. You can laugh at me, it's okay. I forgot all the great stuff, but the main thing is, is that they treat you like family. My wife and I have been customers there for like 30 years. They're amazing people. Me, my mom, my beautiful wife, Vivian, lots of my friends, Burns eventually. I'm going to get you too, Anthony. And what do you get? Well, you get the best price, always the best price, always the best service, always the best cars, always Warren Henry. All right, I always choose kindness. I choose kindness all the time. Why? Because that's who people want to do business with in today's world. What do I do all day long? I put my friends together. Sometimes they know each other already. Sometimes they don't. What do I do? I bring them interesting new ideas and I ask them to look at things just a little bit differently. Sometimes they do. We make deals. It's tremendous. I just did a deal up in North Carolina with a guy that found me on the internet. He lives in New Zealand. He can't even sign. It was amazing. Right from the window to close, they did the lockdown in New Zealand. What do we do for him? We did the front of some guy's farm that one of the big national home builders wants to build. So I just did a land, a raw land loan at 80%. Yamame, if you need some cash. That's right. Call me. Why? Because when you call me, it's always all about you. 
Welcome back to Freedom Business. Connect with us on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at Jim Freed or at Freedom Business and on Instagram at Jim Freed One. Now, back to your host, Jim Freed. All right, we're here with Anthony Burns. Anthony has helped make many different neighborhoods in South Florida. He was one of the original movers in Edgewater. Did deals on Miami Beach too, didn't you? Okay, and now he's started, he's planted the flag at Magic City. Didn't think I realized and remembered all that, how you've already made two different neighborhoods. So now we're on the third. We're on Magic City. That's uh, the Little Haiti neighborhood. And uh, we talked about why they selected it. And now what I want to do is I want to talk in general about placemaking and neighborhoods. Anthony, what's the most important thing to do when you're trying to make a place in town? Well, I think uh, the most important thing is to make sure that you're able to get the decision makers and the important folks in the community on your side to buy into your belief. One uh, neighborhood you actually left out was uh, North Miami Beach. Uh, we developed the, the first high, new development high-rise in North Miami Beach in 40 years called Marina Palms Residences and Yacht Club. And that was also a, a neighborhood, a, a, really a community that was trying to find what its future path was forward. There was a substantial constituency of folks that uh, they, they believed if they stuck their head in the ground and they, and they did not allow development that they could keep development out. And what they found is they had all the downsides of development being a crossroads between Aventura and North Miami. They had all the downside of traffic and they had no tax base. And so when we, uh, when we uh, approached the city about uh, uh, reinvigorating and doing the Marina Palms development, um, it was really a collaboration with the, the city leadership for approximately a year and a half to address those major political issues within the city. And once we were able to get that vision sold to the community, we ended up delivering a world-class building. And now you can see that North Miami Beach um, is really at one of the epicenters in where you're seeing uh, great development occur along that uh, Biscayne 163rd type corridor. So when we approach Magic City, it's the same way. Um, we're into a neighborhood that has not seen a lot of development, uh, that needs a lot of hand-holding um, in terms of, uh, uh, of coming to a consensus on a deal that is actually viable from a developer standpoint, but is also viable and works within the context of the overall community and the development. And we believe we've done that. And you know, we, have a, we have a lot of development ahead of us here in this community, and uh, we're doing what we say we do every day, and, and it, it creates a self-reinforcing cycle within the community. Now, Anthony, one of the things that happens when a neighborhood evolves is that the land prices go up and the density goes up. How do you help both the capital markets and I guess it's really get the capital markets to understand that you're in front and things are going to change uh, to go into that first deal? And I guess having a partner like Neil doesn't exactly hurt. No, I mean, listen, you know, to 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 to, to do high-rise development in a new neighborhood uh, that has no comparables, um, um, you know, is in the process of transforming, is, is not an easy task. We bring, you know, 25 plus years of development experience, uh, balance sheet uh, um, and relationships to, to that. And, you know, because of that, we're going to be able to, to, to move this thing forward. But it, is a, it, it can be a heavy lift. Um, but you have to have the right team and the right, uh, the right partners to get that stuff done. Now, 
you mentioned Neil. Uh, let's talk about in general. You have you have Neil as part of your team. Neil Fairman. You also have George. Um, you know, each plays a different role, and I think that that's really important to talk about when you're talking about how to approach a new a new transaction in a new neighborhood because. I think that the collaborative approach that you guys use is very, very helpful. Listen, I am, I am immensely blessed to have two uh, wonderful partners, Neil Fairman and George Helmsetter. Um, we've been working together and, 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 and as partners for almost a decade now. Um, they're, they're close friends, they're partners, they're 100% trustworthy. All the attributes that somebody could ask for in a partner, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have. And so you're right, we do have our different strengths, our different um, um, uh, skills that we bring to the table. And I think we also have a good appreciation of, of allowing those skills to really uh, prosper in, in the partnership. And, you know, we haven't an, an, that worked out well. Yeah, it is. Each one of you plays a completely different role and each one complements the other two in a very nice way. Um, I'm really impressed with the partnership that you've been able to generate with the two other gentlemen there. Um, now, how do you get the capital to see your vision? How do you get there? You know, because you're an early first mover, you have heavy equity at the start, then what? I think, as I said earlier, a big part of it comes down to what you've done in the past and showing a track record of being able to do what you say you're going to do. There's a lot of people that can say, you know, they have these grand dreams and ambitions and some make it and some don't. And the smart equity, the smart uh, debt providers, they look back over developers track record. Uh, they talk to the folks you've done business with before. And we pride ourselves on being a development organization that does what we say we're going to do. So when we, you know, take a look at, for example, a, a multifamily building that's 25 stories and, uh, you know, going to achieve these type of rents. When we go and talk to our partners and our lenders, the numbers that we and the development plans that we proffer to them are, are plans that we know we can deliver. And, and we don't go out and self-promote to the extent where we're going to puff something up that's, that we can't achieve. We're realistic, and uh, at the end of the day, when we deliver what we say we're going to do, that builds confidence in in uh, future investors and, and lenders uh, going along with us and trusting us. Now, one of the things that you used to activate the Magic City component in the early days was the concept of the base camp and then COVID hit. How, is, how are you going to take uh, base camp to the next step because it seems to me like that would be a very interesting place for outdoor activities, which is right down the middle of the plate for where we are today. Well, I, I uh, the good news is a space camp is has been rebranded. So you're right. We we launched base camp um, in base it, Art Basel of 2019. Had two great months. Had a, a, a wonderful operation going, and then obviously uh, COVID hit and that shut everything down. We reopened uh, with partners uh, and rebranded it called Space Park. Um, it's been open for uh, approximately uh, nine months. And we have great partners there uh, that are, are running, uh, you know, a day-to-day -day and, a, and a weekend operation. 
Um, you know, obviously, like any outdoor venue, you know, we're, we're subject to the whims of Mother Nature and, and we purposely scale back our operations during the summer just because it's not as enjoyable to be outside. But we have, uh, 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 I think, a wonderful assortment of plans and activities and events scheduled for the fall and through the high season. And uh, it's, it's a, it, if for folks that have not been to Space Park and seen the Magic City Innovation District Park here, it's spectacular. We have a, uh, you know, a several acre essential park with 100 year old oaks. It's just a magical place here in the heart of uh, the urban core. Now, what are you going to do as you redevelop? Are you going to retain the oak trees? Are you going to move them? Is that going to maintain as open space? What's the plan for that? Yeah, that's a that's a, a great question. An integral part of our design and our commitment to the city is um, keeping a substantial number of those large oaks. Um, we're through a combination of designing our buildings and our promenade around those oaks so we don't have to move them and moving certain select oaks. And we are very... Uh, thoughtful and careful about how we're doing the planning of the of the movement of those trees because they really are a, a, an amazing resource that we have here uh, that we want to protect and we want to be able to share with everyone. Um, but so yeah, the short answer is is we're those trees are sacred to us and we're uh, we're we're doing everything we can to save all of them. Well, my next question is, um, are you going to be able to? create uh, some jobs there that the people that can walk to the innovation district can work at. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the grants you're giving to the neighborhood. I really want to thank you for the educational component, which I think is the most important part. Affordable housing, of course, is also very important, but if they can't uh, be educated, if people can't be educated to have a job, then I don't know how they can even get affordable housing at this point. So, so you know, are you going to have some set-asides or some other types of of uh, workforce inclusionary uh, asks for folks to come in and uh, do do the construction and and then the uh, rest of the uh, tenants that you're going to have in there. Well, yeah, there's a couple there's a couple different levels to your question. The first is obviously with any uh, large scale development construction project, there there's a a lot of construction jobs are created. Um, we do have preferential hiring policies for people that live in the neighborhood in Little Haiti and then um, in, in certain areas surrounding that. So that's an integral part of our plan. Um, in terms of, you know, the eventual tenants, we, we, we certainly hope so. Part of our mandate um, within Innovation District is to have a, an educational facility here. Um, that is, we, we already have a relationship with a local university that we hope will, will eventually have a, a, uh, a campus of some sort here. So while we're, you know, at the end of the day, we were on the real estate side, we're not actually all of the tenants that are going to be occupying the buildings and, and providing those jobs. That is certainly in the spirit of it, but we're going to, we, we certainly take our commitment seriously uh, as part of the development component. Thank you so much for being committed to our community. Um, what other, what would you say is the number one takeaway that you got from working with the city to get the innovation district approved? It gave me, it, you know, it always gives me an appreciation of how, you know, the, the political leadership of, of any city has to balance the competing needs that, that, that they have between their constituents and development and business owners and all of that. And 
while it's not always an easy process, I think um, the process that Magic City went through um, should be a model for, I think, how a lot of uh, large-scale development can be handled. We, we had numerous very open and transparent community meetings. Um, not everybody obviously gets everything they want, so they're, they're the inherent uh, the process is inherently, uh, full of compromise and, you know, that can be frustrating, but that's, that's, you know, that's the way, uh, these things get done. And, uh, and, you know, as long as everyone comes to the table in the spirit of trying to get something done, that's good for all of the folks at the table. Um, you know, that, that's a good thing. And that's what happened with the Magic City, uh, process. And, and so we're proud of that and, uh, and, and think that's a good model for, other large developments that the city looks at. Hey, before we wrap it up, Anthony, is there anything else you'd like to say uh, about what you've been able to accomplish? Uh, because I got to tell you, I've been watching this whole thing and I've known you and Neil and George for a long time. You know, thank you guys for coming to our town and doing this stuff. You know, Neil came from Canada. You guys came from up north. And I, you know, really want to thank you for coming and adding your, your uh, intellects to our, our community here. Well, I, I really appreciate that, Jim. Thank you. No, I mean, it's uh, it, it, this is a long-term, large-scale project that will, you know, 15, just like Midtown, um, you know, or the design district, these things take time. Um, but, you know, I hope to look back 20 years from now and there's going to be a new, uh, amazing neighborhood uh, here in, the, you know, in Little Haiti, a component of Little Haiti called the Magic City Innovation District. And it's going to be going to be thousands of people living here and thousands of jobs and you know my goal is to to see that uh see that through and uh you know i take a lot of satisfaction in that well i kind of think that you will and seeing the track record you guys had up in north miami beach and bad on me for forgetting about that since i'm a personally an nmb charger uh thank you for kicking off the development in my community boy is it hot up there now um i want to thank you so much for your future vision. I want to thank Neil for uh, being there to back you. And I want to thank, I'm going to have to say it this way, George, for helping you make it happen. And for Wild Bill, I just give him a go Gators. That's right. Tell Wild Bill I said hello. Wild Bill is their CFO. He's a friend of mine for 40 years from UF. All right. Thanks, Jim. It's always a pleasure to, uh, to spend some time with you. Thank you for uh, for taking the time to talk to me about the Magic City Innovation District and what's going on in in the Little River and Little uh, Little Haiti area. Thank you so much, Anthony Burns. I'm going to have to say it this way: placemaker.